Today's episode is brought to you by Mission Year. As an organization, they root themselves in the, in the neighborhood. You can become a part of the local community, worship and serve alongside your neighbors, and live into being advocates for solidarity and justice. With Mission Year, your work will be to fall in love with Jesus and the city, to live and grow into your gifts and purpose, to build beloved community across all dividing lines, and to advocate for justice in your neighborhood and world. Find out more and sign up online at missionyear.org slash mission-year-program. Again, that's missionyear.org slash mission-year-program. You are listening to Lord Have Mercy, a podcast about God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham. Tohina Vamarash and Jason Chestnut are two Lutheran ministers and the duo behind such liturgical collections as Shut the Hell Up and Fuck This Shit. This year, they focused their dynamic power on Epiphany, that strange stretch of time between the New Year and Lent. With a do-it-yourself toolkit now available on the app, they hosted an event right here with me in Philly. We wore crowns, we played games, and we did the best thing of all, which was we learned more about Jesus through community. I know it sounds really sappy, (laughs) but y'all, we had fun. Um, And to talk about that night, what it meant to us, why it was was a success, are Tuhina and Jason. So sit back, listen to the chatter, and, you know, be a part. Let's start the show. Mm. Oh, Mm. Epiphany. How I don't understand thee. Maybe that's a good place to start. Maybe you guys could tell me what Epiphany is and why it gets you so excited. In week one of your, uh, I guess, seven-week series, um, Epiphany Housewarming, Homecomings and Goings, right? You write... um, you're basically asking the audience a bunch of questions and you're inviting us to think through a lot of things. Um, where would you want to try out a worship service? Like at a local park, what do you want to try out for the act of worship itself? Like a flash mob, get some sticky notes, dream and scheme and ponder on the ideas for trying something new. Um, where does that thought even come from? How does that relate back to the original message? And this doesn't have to be part of the uh, podcast, but like, how does all of this tie in together into Epiphany? Jesus was in a building. Um, part of it is that in the early days, people were just out wandering around, being in community with one another. Yeah. Um, and I think. I mean, for me, this actually gets back to the Hebrew Bible of God God just being the pillar of smoke and fire, leading people in front of, alongside, behind, um, and that God was never meant to be stationary. Oh. And, um, and colonial powers have done a really good job at making an idolatrous, stationary God. Yeah. 
Because if you can, if you can make people stay put, you can control them. Yeah. Yeah, and from a Christian, from a liturgical perspective, um, Epiphany is not just the Magi seeing Jesus, but like all of us seeing Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just it's like it's. I mean, it's it's the word the word Epiphany. Like when people use it outside of the Christian context, right? It's like you you this light bulb goes off in your head, and you all of a sudden understand something you didn't understand before. And so what Tuhina and I were trying was just to, to give spaces for people to do that. Um, and so for Christians, it's like, it's seeing the baby, it's seeing God come to us in a giggling, farting baby. <laughs> and like, that's who God shows up in, not, not in the halls of power, not in kings and monarchs and, um, you know, and, and royalty, but in this baby. So I think that's like, that's one of the, that's another message of epiphany, but it's going back to what Tuhina said that like Jesus isn't in a building. And that was one of our main things was to then look at other pieces of scripture that, that undergird that idea that God is not limited to a building, but specifically the story of epiphany is that God is not just not limited to a building, but God is not limited to the idea we have of God and humanity. Mm. Right. Yeah, like a powerful. Yeah, guy on a horse kind of shit or whatever. <laughs> totally, that's exactly what's happening. Um, I think like there's this tradition in Epiphany to bless homes, um, but I think it has to go beyond that. Um, I think like that's why I just really love blessing things and anointing things because it sets it sets those things and those people aside. Um, for this work. Um, and it's not just any small thing. Totally. I think what I enjoyed so much about the epiphany service that we had together was that there wasn't any formality and it was just a space to geek out on all of the nerdy God Bible things that we knew. In fact, it wasn't even about that. It was just about friends being amongst friends and saying hi and I see you and you've put something into the world and I want to come down and give you a high five for that. Like it was just about appreciating one another, you know? And like for me, that felt like church. That felt like we are having a community building celebration here, you know? Um, And for anybody listening, what we really ended up doing was um, Tuhina had planned a, a bit of a service and Jason came down to um, help initiate that service and we kind of just devolved into playing a game for good Christians on the floor of, of, um, of a friend's uh, art studio. <laughs> well, don't forget that, um, you know, Fly Eagles Fly, they won that night too. The Eagles did win. The Eagles did win. So we had what, what I got to eat my first Philly cheese steak. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, But I also think it's the realization of like, sometimes we don't even need the structure and the plans that, you know, we, there was a plan for structure. There was a plan for, for doing something, but it just ended up, I think there's a point where like when you're home with your friends, you don't have to put 
you don't mm. have to do something to mm. like feel loved and be- and like you belong and honored. Like mm. it was just that space to be mm-hmm. and to be present and eat food and tell jokes and wear crowns <laughs> and wear crowns and get pictures with crowns. Right. Where do you, where do you, each of you find community? Mm. Part of me still looking for it. Mm. Um, I think part of part of community for me is the people who know me sometimes better than like they know what to ask me. They know kind of like wh- how to be with me in all of the iterations of me, um, and that they'll accept me for the whole and broken person that I am. For me, that's, that's what it means to be in community. They'll also call me on my shit. Huh. Yeah, I'm still looking for that too. Jason? I mean, um, I think community, uh, I mean, I think our epiphany answer is that it's not in a building, right? So um, it exists um, in the midst of a people that same things maybe um they're committed to the same things who are as Tuhina says call call us on our shit i mean i i I consider it to be sort of the you know one idea and, and and this is just from my perspective um that the early church that maybe jesus didn't bodily rise from the dead um but that the resurrection happened within the body of christ that rose up and and so if we're going to continue this community like um the things that we've seen things that we've experienced we want that to keep going um i'm not saying whether or not they're like definitively a bodily resurrection um uh and i i, I don't want to necessarily like devolve into that kind of conversation. But I, I do think there is a, a piece around it that says like when community gathers, that's literally resurrection. And so mm. Oscar Romero said the same thing in El Salvador, right? If they kill me, I will rise up in the Salvadoran people. And so that's kind of, I mean, I think for, for, for community, I think it is, a, it's people who, who are going, who are looking for the same things I'm looking for and are working for and fighting for the same things that I'm fighting for. Yeah. Were there parts of that night that felt holy to you? I mean, yeah, just the, I mean, for me, just the, the fact that it happened was pretty holy. Um, there's always a question of how many people are going to show up, how many yeah. people are going to show up and, and what's it going to look like and, and you know, if there's one, if there's one Christian scripture that we just do not give a shit about at all, it's Jesus saying, "Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there." Yeah. Like, we give a flying fuck about that. Nobody believes that. Um, and yet, I think it is a really powerful statement. And so, the fact that it happened, that we got there, that Addie had her space open, that yeah, at you know when we first got there, like four four of the five people had flown literally across the country yeah. to get there. Yeah. Um, 
So that to me was holy. I agree. I think it's just, it's holy to be with the people who love you. Mm. Um, you know, I think there are, there are multiple people in that room that have like accompanied me through some like, which is really weird stuff going on in my life. Um, and to know that like, I didn't have to hide any of that from them. Oh yeah. You know, but I, I could just fully show up as me and not have to be on. Mm. Mm hmm. Because I think, like, one of the biggest fears of my life is having to be on. I didn't know. I guess I hadn't really met most of the people there, even though, you know, we were uh, a small crowd. I didn't know very many people there. So I think that I didn't feel love the same way you did, but I definitely felt like acceptance love I was just like these are my people <laughs> you know like it felt so comfortable and good and the only common thing we shared you know besides you Tahina and Jason were um was like a knowledge of of God and an acceptance of of spirit that was magic Mm. I mean, I'm glad you felt that. And I think that says something to, to like what we were kind of hoping to accomplish. Yeah. Where yeah, it doesn't, oh, no, go ahead. It, it doesn't have to be like this structured, rigid thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be contained within the walls of building. It doesn't have to be printed and, like, exactly following a bulletin. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, yeah, we, we give a lot. We really don't give credence to the verse of where two or three are gathered. Mm -hmm. Like, we, we say it when we need to feel better about ourselves and people don't show up for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, like, we also forget, we also forget, like, it doesn't have to be, it's, you know what, it's Jesus, you know, a pooping, farting baby is not like this grand, majestic, kingly being. Yeah. It's just, what is it to just be, be hmm. in the space hmm. and to honor that space and the people who accompany you in that space? Yeah. So I'll say that like. I don't think that it is a common thing, especially in this world where we are, we're so afraid of people we don't know. It's not common for people to meet on the internet and then invite each other to their homes <laughs> just to hang out. And so like the first time, Tahina, that I met you in my entire life, besides like over Skype, was at my doorstep with but your I should suitcase. Have on your front doorstep. Yeah. You know, and like, unless, you know, the, the spirit of that baby Jesus, that black baby Jesus was there, like it would have been hella more awkward 
and so hard to connect because there would just would have been, you know, walls and walls of fear. Same with you, Jason. In what world would I invite a straight white male that I'd never met before to come and sleep on my couch for, you know, 30 minutes? Not going to happen. <laughs> I don't care right. who you know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is um, the uh, uh, lubricant in 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 relationship building is that you know that that Christ figure. It's very mm. precious. Amen. Mm-hmm. Did, was there anything from that Epiphany service that stuck with you the next day, or even the next hour, or into the week that that you enjoyed? It just felt good to be in that space. I think like that leaving Addie's studio, um, I just had nothing but gratitude um, that I got to spend time with um, some people that I had just met, um, some people that I dearly love. Um, and that like it was also just, you know, we had s- and there was so much food. Yeah, there was so much food. <laughs> Um, and that, yeah, I think it was just, it was just the gratitude of getting to be in that space and time together and that we all took time out of our days. Like I think about Letty who like actually did not even watch the game. He did not watch the game. And, and I just, and he's like, it's because, you know, you're here, you flew across the country and I don't get to see you. And it's like the Phillies are in the playoffs. I know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's because I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I was, I'm really, I was, uh, I was, and still kind of am recovering from a very uh, toxic situation that I was in in San Diego, and so I think. Um, you know that was that was a whirlwind thirty six hours that I was on the East Coast uh, before I went back, and so I mean I don't remember one necessarily one specific thing. I just just remember the the chance to breathe and hmm. and be in the midst of people that um, I knew were not going to or that were going to welcome me in that kind of um, question if I belong there or. Um, ask what the hell I was doing, which is, you know, kind of was my reality outside of that. So, so it's like the community that night, um, was able to take me out of my kind of, uh, mentally and physically and spiritually exhausting reality, right. Mm. For a moment, for a moment. Tina, I heard you use the word gratitude. Is gratitude a part of epiphany? I think it is for me. Um, I think it's just... Sometimes I think life would have been way easier had I not met Jesus. Um, But also at the same time, I cannot imagine these people not in my life had Jesus not been revealed to me. I like that.
This week's episode is also brought to you by Quaker Speak. Quaker Speak is a weekly video series that features interviews with modern-day Quakers and seekers on a range of topics. They invite you to join them. They've created a playlist of videos they think progressive Christians like you and me and not everybody else <laughs> might like. Visit them at quakerspeak.com our-bible-app and subscribe to follow along. Visit quakerspeak.com slash our Bible app for more information. Again, quakerspeak.com slash our-bible-app. Jesus gets such a bad rap these days, though. Like, Jesus, like, the minute you say Jesus in any, uh, I want to say secular space, even though we hate that word, like, the minute you say... <laughs> The minute you say Jesus, like, everybody just kind of recoils, you know. Um, But you, both of you, use it so freely and openly. Is that because we're talking here or because, like, you're just out of fucks for people who recoil at the name of Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've been out of fucks, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's for me, it's just having Jesus being revealed to me is like, I, as, as much as I would want to, as much as, as easier as my life was before, or as it wasn't easier, actually. Um, I think it's just, I was, um, I was living in a bubble. I was, you know, just not realizing how confined and constrained and constricted I was. And my cage was comfortable. And to, um, to know Jesus as liberator, how do, you know, how do you not want to share that? How do you not want to talk about Jesus as liberator? Yeah. I think um, when I met Jesus as liberator, it's like, I'm not going to shut up now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... The visceral recoiling at the at the name of Jesus. Um, <laughs> Jesus is yeah. Uh, you know, I think um, I think there's a lot of work to, to be done to recover a first-century Palestinian Jew who was beaten in custody and publicly executed for leading a movement. I mean. That's that's biblical, and that's not what we see. We we have Jesus as my boyfriend. We have um, Jesus as a nice teacher. I think we also have to talk about who's Jesus, right? Um, because uh, clerical makeover Jesus is an idol, right? And specifically, Jesus with white skin is an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, even in very progressive spaces um you're gonna see a white jesus in a stained glass window or in a picture it's very rare i preach in a lot of different places and i normally have to go out of my way to find a jesus um not just a jesus of color but i would say like an historically some somebody that may have possibly looked like jesus and that's also not a rotating art exhibit that that is actually oh. established in the church and mm-hmm. not just as, oh, well, we have an art exhibit that shows Jesus as this, right. but Jesus isn't, Jesus ain't going to stay here as this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I look think at our lovely white Jesus in our stained glass window. Right, and I think that 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 kind of understanding then allows for it's a very white, it's a white supremacist narrative, and mm-hmm. and I mean white supremacist um, in the very very literal way of that, like our version of Jesus as white is supreme. So yeah. there are these ideas like, oh, we can show a Chinese Jesus, a Jesus from the Chinese community, a Jesus that was written, you know, was drawn by a somebody from Jamaica, a Jesus that is, you know, whatever, a Jesus that is, uh, that looks more African than European. But all those things, I think, still operate within the context of, yeah, but Jesus was white, but isn't it cute that other, other cultures paint Jesus in the way that they look? Um, (laughs) And I think that's, that misses the point of, Uh like, a Chinese Jesus, absolutely. A uh, Philippine Jesus, absolutely. Um, And... Um, we also have to recognize that, like, but Jesus was brown. Yeah. Like, that's that's what he was. Mm-hmm. Now, the Christ of faith can take on many different forms, totally. And I think it's important specifically for communities on the margins to see Jesus in themselves or to see themselves in Jesus. Um, but if that's the, if, if that's the case, I think we have to continually just keep coming back to the fact that like representation matters and Jesus as a white person is a very stunning example of white supremacy. Yeah. And that's what makes it so icky. Like that's a large component of why we recoil. And I think, yeah. And if, if we really want to talk about who Jesus is in this season of epiphany, Mm-hmm. We really have to talk about historically who Jesus was. Right. Yeah, and I, I just I, uh, I I still I I still think I, I think that people still just they do not take it that seriously, especially white people. Um, but but people all across the board do not take it that seriously. The 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 level to which we have been conditioned to see Jesus as a European with European hair and European eyes and European nose and all of it. Yeah. And like, there's this whole other part that's not just like the, the marketing and branding, like the visuals, but you know, that whole thing with what would Jesus do, which was basically a morality gauge or a right or wrong gauge you know is it is you know and that and I mean like if if I were a kid and I were if I did something wrong you know the sticker would pop up in my mind and that's what you were supposed to do is what would Jesus do when in actuality that is not who Jesus was or what we were supposed to gather from Jesus's life it wasn't about right or wrong it was about are you helping people or not are you feeding the poor or not um, I would, yeah. <laughs> Go well, ahead. I think the other danger is like Jesus has become really one-dimensional. Yeah, it's um, so hollow. It's, I think Please. like the white Jesus is the Jesus of idolatrous comfort. Mm. Um, yeah, because um, you know, in interactions that I've had with people, it's like, but I would view Jesus as like a loving and educating teacher, and it's like, oh, I'm sure the money changers loved him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, chasing after you know. It's it, Jesus brought whips into the temple. Jesus turned over tables in the temple. Jesus had said, let the dead bury their dead. Jesus said, leave your mother and brother. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Jesus said, whoever doesn't hate their mother and brother is not, cannot follow me. I mean, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace with the sword. I mean, I think what Tahina is nailing here is that that WWJD, as much as it's like, it gives up this nostalgia of like early 1990s bracelets and shit. Is that like, <laughs> um, the question isn't what would Jesus do? The question is what, what did Jesus do? Mm-hmm. And we have it. We have that. Like we yes. know what Jesus did. Jesus consistently, like he, in, in Luke's gospel, right? He names that his entire ministry is to bring good news to, to the poor, good news to the poor, not good news to everybody, good news to the poor, yeah. liberation to the oppressed, uh, freedom to the captive, all of it, right? Yeah. Economic liberty, ec- our economic justice through the year of the Lord's favor, the Jubilee mm-hmm. year. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was, I was agreeing. I mean, Jesus mm. was constantly, um, throughout the Gospels, we see a man who cares so much about hospitality, so much about welcoming people into your home and your space and taking care and taking off their burdens, washing their feet, making sure they're fed. And like Jesus is constantly entering and exiting houses. I mean, yeah, he was pretty much homeless, but like how is that such a large part of, of the gospel and such a small part of what we know Christianity to be today? What I would say a big piece of that, Crystal, and I think you nailed it. I mean, I think a lot of the Jesus recoiling thing comes from a, you know, the religious right, the the mega church conservative evangelical mentality, which is not Jesus, it's Paul yeah. or Paul's version of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, the scales, basically. And yeah, and not Jesus. And so, like you said, like, like what would Jesus do being a, a gauge between right and wrong? I would say, no, it's what would you, what did Jesus do? And it was always a gauge between does this liberate community or does it imprison community? Mm. It's not about it's not about individuals, yeah. right? It's about communities. It's always about communities. Sixty-five of the sixty-six books in the Bible are written to communities, not to people. Yeah. Right. So it's always about communal liberation, not individual salvation. Amen. Oh. Right. And so Jesus specifically lives that through to the end. I mean, he, you know, he's executed as a as a person who was threatening the, 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 the established order through Rome. And he did it as a representative of the community. And then the community, I would say like they, they, they resurrected behind him. Um, and many of them were also publicly executed for that, for, for doing that. And so it's like, what would Jesus do? I mean, well, I mean, because it's like, we're not being cheeky when we say, well, he would get, he would tell off people in power and they kill him for it. Like, that's what he did. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> what did yeah. Jesus do? I mean, dude was crucified. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, what would, I mean, I mean WWJD, <laughs> just that whole sense of it, like you said from the beginning, Crystal, I mean, it's, it, that was a, it was a fantastic. Marketing, public, boy, pub, yeah, public marketing, totally, mm-hmm. and it turned Jesus for a generation into a hall monitor. Yeah. Um, and and the hall monitor is gross. Like nobody wants the hall monitor. Like okay, the, like it wasn't even like a thing. Like like the the hollowed out like 
white dude standing with his arms open, the so, oh, the word I want to use is like self-righteous and pious. Like that is like the Jesus that he was, like always there exactly to point out, out how you were wrong. Mm-hmm. Self-righteousness like, and piety. He called out self-righteousness and piety all yes. the time. And he was like, I wouldn't want that guy to be my friend. I would be like, avoid that guy in the hall, guys, because he will rat on you. <laughs> to yeah, God. He will, he will rat on you. He's a narc. He is a narc. Home Monitor Jesus is a narc. Home Monitor Jesus is not your friend. Tina, you have to say something. Don't leave us out here. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. And it's just kind of like... I don't even know what to say. <sighs> We're being silly. Um, but I, not silly, but true. Yeah. I, there's a lot of truth in what's being said because, I mean, I don't want to follow Hall Monitor White Jesus. Yeah. I mean. So how did you fall in love with, like, the right kind of Jesus? Because, you know, when, yeah. <laughs> and, like. I I fell in love with Jesus when number one I was in this church that are, that had outright said we're not out to convert you, mm. and I was like, really? Because like, and this was in South Carolina when people are like, you're going to go to hell because you're a Hindu, and it's like, well, fuck you too. <laughs> I mean, it's like if you're you know if your God's going to say like I'm going to hell because a because I'm a Hindu, like I. I sure as hell do not want to know your God. Yeah. If your God's already casting judgment as such, yeah. um, then, then your God can go to hell. Um, but then I fell in love with Jesus in a space where they just said, like, just show up. You know, you don't, we don't want you to be anybody but you. Um, you know, we're kind of puzzled that you're in the space. We're not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you? Don't, don't do us. Like, you know, if there's something about us that makes you feel uncomfortable, let us know. But just be you in the space. And that's where I got to meet God, was just being me. Yeah. And then I discovered that, like, oh, that God doesn't actually, that, that God's not telling me I'm going to hell. That God is calling, calling me to actually profess liberation yeah right and i just think that family values is another thing we have to recover from from with, with jesus know, with from the yeah. well, from conservative evangelical like all the things we need to recover <sighs> but like his idea of family was very different um yeah and, and even Paul's idea of family was very different. Uh, it, these weren't these weren't young couples, even in progressive spaces where, you know, uh, there's not as much homophobia as maybe there once was. Still transphobia, still biphobia. I mean, there's a lot of phobias, but even in progressive kids or you adopt or whatever, and that's not. I mean, those things don't have any basis within the Jesus movement. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying, like, when you look at the story of Jesus and and you read the letters of Paul, you have, for all we know, kind of committed single people. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, 
Dan Brown, notwithstanding, if Jesus had sex with Mary Magdalene, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. I don't know. But my point is, it, it's just the, the, the family language is very unique. And and sometimes, I for me, problematic when there's certain, you know, churches that say, hey, come come join our family. And I'm like, I, I don't like my, I, I, that's, <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Like I've been in family spaces where I'm not welcome at all, and that's my family. The family framework is also not universal. That framework is flawed. As or maybe well. it is. I mean, I think the communal I think I think the communal framework definitely is. Um, yeah. And yeah, I still yeah. think family can be great. And I have family of choice. I have people who are family to me, and so I don't mean to be like policing the family language. I just know that when I hear family, sometimes I react with like a, uh, you know. Squiggy, squiggy, squiggy. Yeah. That, 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 question mark? Yeah. I mean, I love this discussion of like who Jesus is and you guys are teaching me so much about epiphany. Like I said, I just never grew up with liturgy. Um, And like the only time that we ever discussed uh, Jesus was like, like really discuss Jesus' life, like those mile markers in his life were Christmas and Easter. <laughs> and so for me, like this, like I, we never really went, like went through birth to death. It was always birth. And then uh, a couple months later, we focus on uh, Jesus actually dying. Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane Judas, um, what's his head who betrayed him three times. And then, <laughs> and then all that jazz. So like this, this, I ca- I'm starting to like see the pieces of it, of like why it is so precious. So I think part of the liturgy and part of the liturgical calendar and part of like the order of worship, like why it has meaning for me mm-hmm. is that um, it's a reflection of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we have to be, we have to be reminded of that over and over and over again, because there are powers and principalities in this world mm-hmm. that will do anything to make us forget. Also, my brain is really small sometimes, and I'll just naturally forget of my own volition. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what I had for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be reminded. And it feels so good to be reminded, especially in community like this. And, and it takes community remembering. Um, so I'm going to give credit to where, so Asher O'Callaghan is a pastor in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. And he has talked about remembering what does it mean to bring together the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes remembering to remember. Yeah. And it takes mm. a community of people to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, that's why I think like, that's the other reason, like, I think why oral tradition and gathering for me is so important because, um, you know, my first, you know, growing up in Hinduism, that so much of that was based in oral tradition. But the biggest problem with that is that only a select few in power had access to that oral tradition. Mm-hmm. And so how do you how do you go about and do nothing but proclaim and spread that message? Hmm. I just I, I love thinking about the oral tradition and just how powerful that is to you because you flew miles many, many miles, and also convinced other people to fly very many miles to, to sit and, and commune together. I mean, in something that wasn't recorded and something that wasn't written down or like no one else got to participate in that, but it was so precious. 
Wow. Mm. And it took it took a lot of people to put that together. Yeah. Yeah. We were busy half the day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after we saw Rocky, you know, then we were. <laughs> Man, I found out I ran up those steps wrong. What do you mean? Okay, so all right. There are like the top seven uh, workout montages um, from Popular Science that I just started watching, and I ran up the steps wrong to the museum. Apparently, he doesn't take each step; he takes about every uh, other or every second step. So I have to come back to Philadelphia and do it again. August, right? Is that what you said? Oh God, it's gonna be so hot in August. That's okay. We'll we'll make a, we'll like set aside an entire hour. <laughs> to get you so, up the steps. Yeah, so I, I have to get up those steps faster. Two at a time. No, thank you. Two oh. at a time, Tarina. Two oh. at a time. I'll be the I'm one at the bottom it. recording I'm going to do it. Um, guys, I have one last question, and it comes tied with a confession. So the last part of, of your epiphany, um, your week seven, and I'm going to put this in the app so that... If, if there's anybody who is really excited about it and wants to catch up, they can do it. Um, but in week seven, you talk about um, Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are people of death and resurrection, a constant transition and moving from and within old to new. What? What I guess, you know, I'll leave the confession for later, but what does that mean to you guys? I, and I say that because I feel like so many things died for me in 2018. And I'm talking like, I know I had some words with you, Tahina, about like friendships and, and yeah. old habits and old things that just weren't serving me anymore like we're basically just like cleaned off my plate in one fail swoop and the lightness of being that I felt afterwards was amazing. But there was a moment where I felt like I had died. Like I felt like that kid who has just been smacked like really hard by the pavement and is holding the cry in their lungs with their mouth agape and is unable to get the words out. Like that's how much it hurt you know, and then the cry comes out and then the pain and then the numbness. And when I finally woke up in the new year, I was just so light and happy and free, I think, of this, of the things that had been holding me back. Um, it's, death as a part of life is amazing. And it is even more incredible to me that that is a part of Jesus' story, death. Mm. Did either of you have those kinds of things, that newness feeling? Um, I think like the past couple of years for me, um, things have had to die. Um, and they've been really painful deaths. Um, like things that I had placed lots of hope and time and energy. Mm. Um and even blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, so, like, a lot of my 2016, 2017 was, like, just running myself ragged um, with the hope that something would grow out of this. 
Um, and you can't resuscitate a dead body. Yo, yeah. Um, and it, I had to come to terms with, um, with something in my life dying and it was really hard and it was really painful and I was really hella angry. Um, but in retrospect, it's just kind of like, it had to die so I could keep going. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we're just not really good at talking about death, I think, in a which is ironic in a faith tradition that literally has this story of life coming from death. So... Which I get though. I mean, death is hard and it's scary and um, sucks. Sucks. And it's and it's something you know. I don't. I can't speak for other people, but I know it's something that I can't get over. Mm. Like it, the whole thing of like time heals all wounds, and I call bullshit on that. Mm. Um, time just time just puts you further away from it, but. I don't mm. think it heals it. Mm. I think you just learn how to live within it. Hmm. And Jesus overcame that. All that. Yeah. The darkness, the nothingness, the grief, the sorrow, the mourning, all of it. Right. And he calls us to follow him on the way. So I'm thinking of Jon Snow right now in Game of Thrones. I have never seen Game of Thrones. All right, I'm going to throw that away because so many spoilers. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I haven't seen it either. But Tahina helped me realize that I can learn High Valerian on Duolingo. So, which is from Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yes, I am. My life's purpose has been fulfilled. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Why do you guys think that death is an important part of the epiphany? I mean, I think there's something to be said about um, the fact that Jesus escaped death, right? Uh, the the story of the Magi, the quote-unquote wise men, right? These Eastern magicians. That's in Matthew's Gospel. And Matthew's Gospel is um, very clear that Jesus uh, and his family escaped genocide and sought asylum in another country. Um and they did so without documentation, not that there are any modern day equivalents of this. But my point is like, you know, I think um, I rush with death. And, um, and I think his family and he, especially as he grew up and became this leader, you know, he talked about it. I think it. I think it framed his his understanding of who he was, 
was that death was kind of a constant. It was there with him. Does that make sense? Hmm. And she's to talk to his disciples so much about it, and they just couldn't comprehend. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, shit, we still don't comprehend. Hmm. Um, and I think, like, that's that's part of the the need to express birth, life, death, and resurrection. Um, hmm. And I think that's why there's there's this need to, to talk about it, even if it's awkward and uncomfortable and just really crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know that when we were, when we all met, I think we were in, I mean, when we all we're here together in Philly. We were in completely different places emotionally than we are now. Would you guys say that like, you guys are in like a happier place than you were? I'm in a different place. Um, I don't necessarily know happier, um, but I do know different. Yeah. 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 I don't, you know, happy is a, is a fleeting term. I think, I hope that I'm in a more hopeful place. <laughs> I, I have hope that I, that I'm continuing to eat, um, grow and, and change. Um, you know, the Christian tradition I think suffers from a glorification or even the idolatry of nostalgia. Everything was always great way back when. Um, right before our yeah. conversation, I went to uh, went to this liquor store down the street to get LaCroix, actually, like, honestly. Like, I can okay. get liquor. I'm like, I'm not, I don't feel judged. This is funny. <laughs> I go there for my LaCroix, which is a very white person thing I know. I drink LaCroix. Um, LaCroix, <sighs> oh, it's going to stop it. Anyways. Um, but there's a woman in there and she's just, I mean, she's kind of drunk, uh, white, a white woman. And she's just saying the stuff that I've just heard my whole life. Right. Like, uh, back in the day we used to have respect for our elders and, and, and things were safe and things were good. And she's just going through the whole spectrum. And, um, I don't know if she's Christian or not. I just, but I just remember thinking, like that's just such an unchristian way of seeing the world. That everything was good back then. There's no hope for the future. There's no sense of God speaking through Isaiah. I'm doing a new thing. Can't you perceive it? Um, you know, as far as I know, Jesus never says one thing necessarily positive about what happened in the past. He's he's pretty heavy into what's going to happen in the future, though. Or even what's happening now. Yeah, in the present. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So I think I think that's a piece for me to that's, recognize. That's you know, really that good. I hope that I'm going to do that way. Because here's the, here's the plain fact of it. My depression notwithstanding, 
and my struggles with suicidal ideations, which I've been public about. Um, like I hope to grow old, grow up, and grow old. But at some point, I'm going to become. At some point, I'm going to become an old white man. And the one thing I can control, <laughs> I can't control any of the other things, but I can control that I don't become an old angry white man, which I feel like is a our country is full of, right? Yeah. And I just really hope I don't become that. And I, I hope that as I continue to grow older, I continue to not fall victim to nostalgia or whatever. Mm. We'll help you. <laughs> Thanks. I'm telling you. Lord Have Mercy is sponsored by The Amazing Adventures of the Afterbirth of Jesus. You heard me right. The Untold Story by Peterson Toscano and illustrated by Joey Hartman Down. Bizarre, original, and surprisingly moving. Bible scholar and performance artist Peterson Toscano and artist Joey Hartman Dow share the untold story of Hagar, the holy placenta. Weaving in Bible scholarship with contemporary issues, The Amazing Adventures of the Afterbirth of Jesus offers an absurd yet profound meditation on power, privilege, and family, humanity, unity, and divinity. Get this book and more at meetinghouse.com slash xyz. Now listen, I love Peterson. He was on the show for a few years ago and did a two-part series. Y'all go find this book because you know it's going to be good. That's meetinghouse.xyz, The Amazing Adventures of the Afterbirth of Jesus. Thank you for listening. One last thing about our Bible app before I let you go. For Black History Month, we've invited guest author Mickey Scott Bay Jones to write a series. And she was on Lord Have Mercy a couple weeks ago, and I heard some great things from you guys, so I know you're going to like this devotional. Find her devotional, Come Have Breakfast, Healing from Burnout and Loving Yourself, in the app. Also, Wednesday, February 27th, we'll be having a fireside chat in the app, so I hope you'll also make yourselves available for that. I'm Crystal Cheatham, and you can find me everywhere as Crystal Cheatham or on Instagram as The Cheat. Okay, I love you. Bye.